each one of us has uh, leadership qualities in us mm. it's just that we don't try and make uh, the optimum use of those attributes we have in us mm. yes we can't have all the qualities that i've listed out in that book uh, in equal measure you might have a lot of some you might have a little of some but uh, it's better to have a little bit of all those attributes uh, Uh, to enable you to become a better leader. Hello everyone, Neil Patel here and thank you for downloading the latest episode of the Indian Startup Show. So today I speak with Mr. W.V. Raman. He's the former Test Match cricketer and coach of the Indian women's cricket team. And we talk about his book, The Winning Sixer, Leadership Lessons to Master. He talks about how anyone can be a leader. He talks about building credibility. He talks about the biggest mistakes leaders make today. He talks about life-changing advice from a non-cricketer which led him to break all records in the 88-89 season and scoring one of the best knocks overseas by an Indian batsman. Talks about dealing with pressure of playing for India and thoughts on the winner-takes-all mentality. And finally, we talk about his current coaching career. So please enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, Mr. Raman. Uh, thank you for coming on the Indian Startup Show today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Tell me a bit about this book, please. I had no plans at all to pen a book. It all happened in a very unusual manner. Mm-hmm. I had gone uh, to Mumbai to watch an uh, undersea uh, national championship final game by who had a literary agency so he just uh, forced me a question as to why were not uh, pen down a book as said given the i've never even thought of writing a book let alone uh, penning it down or you know, doing anything about it a mm-hmm. uh, fortnight later what happened was that i happened to read a lot of reports in the press which is just talking about captaincy and stuff so uh, i thought uh, why not use um, my years of experience in cricket and also my uh, association with uh, other icons sporting icons in the country and uh, write a book which would uh, serve people uh, from uh, all fields and all walks of life and across age groups uh, write about uh, leadership lessons and also a bit about life skills uh, include the stories in the lives of sporting icons and that's how the book came about awesome stuff what 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 does what does leadership mean to you then leadership is all about uh, empowering um, your team of uh, either players or the team of employees that are working with you you got to try and empower them and you also have to have a lot of uh, attributes uh, that uh, goes into making a good package uh, like uh, you need to be good in communication you need to have vision you need to be uh, good in team building you need to be good in decision making and this is uh, essentially the um, gist of my book the attributes i've spelled out to, to start off with yeah because you mentioned the five c's uh, credibility clarity connect yeah. control conviction in terms of credibility let's say someone starting out on their career uh, how how would they get credibility it's about backing up your action uh, uh, when you commit something by way of words that's how you build up credibility your action should match your words because it's easy to commit or easy to promise or easy to uh, say okay it's done or i'll definitely uh, do it yeah. but uh, the crux of the matter is that you've got to follow it up with action that's how you gain your credibility uh, it, it, it's not necessary that uh, you do it you know when you're in the mid 20s or later in life mm. even starting from your younger days or when you're in your early teens uh, that's how you build your credibility mm. you've got to uh, live up to your words um and in in terms of the book itself 
what would you say is the biggest make mistakes that leaders make then? Problem areas for a leader is uh, in uh, deterring uh, when it comes to decision making. Mm-hmm. And uh, also what they tend to do sometimes is that they try and take a decision which is uh, consensual or it's uh, a sort of a group decision yeah. rather than taking what ought to be the decision that has to be made. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they take this road because uh, if things go wrong, they always have moral support from the people uh, that uh, collectively took this decision. Mm. Uh, that for a leader, I think, uh, is something uh, that's going to spell disaster. Uh, I'm not against inclusive leadership, mm. but uh, what I'm talking about is that it's not uh, the ideal situation for any leader to take a popular decision. Mm. He's got to take a decision which is right, which could be hard as well. Mm. But that's why uh, leaders uh, are given that uh, position and uh, leaders are meant to be taking hard decisions if it requires them to do so. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it seems that most people are followers rather than leaders. Uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, Most people would rather be told what to do. That's exactly what I've tried to convey in my book. I've tried to say that uh, each one of us has uh, leadership qualities in us. Mm. It's just that we don't try and make uh, the optimum use of those attributes we have in us. Mm. Yes, we can't have all the qualities that I've listed out in that book uh, in equal measure. You might have a lot of some, you might have a little of some, but uh, it's better to have a little bit of all those attributes uh, to enable you to become a better leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, the message that I also conveyed is that uh, each one of us, regardless of whether we have a top position or not, can be a leader. Mm-hmm. Because these days, um, it's very important even for the youngsters uh, to have leadership qualities. That's what even the employers ask more than the grades or more than the uh, qualifications that employers look for. Those days are gone. Now, these days, people want their potential employees to be good in leadership. They need uh, em- employees who need to be good in life skills as well. So uh, it's important for all of us uh, to try and uh, unleash the leader that we have in us. Mm-hmm. And that's primarily the uh, basic message I'm trying to convey uh, through the book. Excellent stuff. Uh, you mentioned li- listening to talking ratio. What, what does that yeah. specifically mean? That sounds interesting. Generally, uh, I've seen on a lot of occasions that when two people talk, what happens is that um, it more or less tends to become a monologue or there tends to be a lot of overlapping because the uh, one or the other is impatient. Mm. Uh, they don't allow the others to complete what they have to say. Uh, in, in that, what happens is that the entire conversation does not uh, proceed in the direction that they have planned to set out to take. Mm-hmm. So uh, this interruptions and the fact that uh, some people tend to be defensive, let's say a boss talking to an employee, for example, what happens there is by the time the boss is halfway through a question, the employee starts tending to defend himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the fact that I've seen a lot of debates on television, at least in this neck of the woods, yeah. where uh, hardly anybody gets to put his point across. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overlapping, one shouting over each other. This is something that uh, is uh, very critical if you want to have a meaningful uh, outcome of any meeting. Mm. We've also seen in a lot of meetings, it's a case of uh, the top-notch boss uh, uh, all the time downloading of the others, wherein you know the others don't get to uh, put forward their views in, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. For the simple reason, uh, uh, the others probably could be shy of uh, 
inviting the wrath of the leader or they could probably say okay if i button and give my suggestions i'm attracting more responsibility on my shoulders so let things be as they are so the uh, thing is that uh, what i am trying to convey is uh, to answer your question in a line is you listen and learn because when you keep saying you are only saying what you know when you listen you learn a lot more new things uh, well, let's talk about your cricket then your how, how it all started who was like 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 the first person who told you you know perhaps you could play for india if you know if you take this a bit more seriously or do it professionally i i for one was uh, not uh, one of those who was desperate or was uh, extremely uh, ambitious about playing for india um, i started playing cricket then i got onto the train and then obviously sort of scaled the ladder uh, step by step mm-hmm. and for me it was a case of proving to myself that i could uh, perform at the level that i was playing at so that that would open the door to me for, to go up to the next level and that's how it happened uh, yes of course uh, there came a time uh, when i was around 20 when i had made my first class debut at 17 mm. and i had played for 3 years i thought yes i can give it a shot uh, i had done reasonably well um, in uh, first class cricket and also against uh, the touring side those days we used to play uh, against the touring side uh, uh, south zone used to play so in a couple of matches that i played against the visitors i had done well so i thought okay uh, if i keep going the way i be i was doing then i thought you know i would definitely have a chance of uh, uh, getting a look into the uh, national side mm-hmm. and that's how it happened what what kind of cricketer were you in the early days then my cricketing career was strange in the sense that uh, i started off as a left arm spinner who could bat a bit uh, yeah. in my junior days when i played the under 15s under 19s and then even for my state uh, which is equal to the county side when i made my debut in the first class circuit i was more of a left arm spinner and a lower order batsman Uh, but uh, what happened was that um, the entire scenario changed for me personally when uh, morning in rajkot ravi shastri asked me if i would be prepared to bat at number 3 because uh, i think it was jimmy amanath who was uh, slotted at number 3 he was uh, in disposed uh, the previous night so uh, you couldn't obviously call in uh, for a replacement then it was too late so ravi felt that uh, i could uh, fill that slot uh, and it was perhaps in his mind was a gamble if i came off it was well and good if it didn't it didn't matter really so but uh, uh, fortunately what happened was that uh, i did get a 90 odd mm. so things um, changed overnight uh, i became a top order batsman as regards my bowling i had to pack it in because um, i was um, getting a stiff back whenever i bowled mm. Uh, I know the reason for it now because there's a little bit of a technical flaw those days uh, you didn't have the biomechanic did, did you still have a stiff back <laughs> <laughs> I don't bowl these days oh, right. so okay, that's all right then. <laughs> um, we we, are, we have to talk about your 88 89 season kind of stats on cricket for 1018 runs uh, uh, a then record which has been surpassed by only 15 other batsmen so far two double tons and a triple century and uh, literally an, an average of 100 48 i mean that's amazing yeah that was a record that uh, was uh, rusi modi's for about 45 years yeah. uh, till i broke it if you go back into um, the scorecards of every game 
you would see that uh, the first four games I was uh, hardly getting runs. Okay. In the sense, I was getting thirties uh, and forties or something like that. Yeah. I didn't. It, it didn't look halfway through that it was going to be a great season. Mm. It, it was a little bit uh, annoying as well because you know you don't get out of thirties and forties. When you get to thirties, uh, it's generally presumed that you got the hang of things there yeah. out in the middle. So you're supposed to convert them into big scores, and I was getting out. And a chance uh, conversation with somebody who had no idea about cricket um, helped me out um, in the sense that um, I was just sort of having uh, my coffee with uh, a few friends of mine. Mid evening, we would have a coffee, you know, now and then. So one of the guys who knew a little bit of cricket asked me what's going on. Thirties and forties is not going past that mark. So I was telling him, you know, I was getting out the way I was getting out. I was getting out bad pads the time. Yeah. So the guy who didn't know about cricket asked me, um, uh, is a batsman given out if a, a ball hits the bat first and bat and goes to the fielder or the other way around? So <laughs> the other guys took the Mickey out. I mean, they, they said, shut up, you know, nothing about cricket. What's the point in asking a silly question? Finished our coffee, we all went out, went out our ways. And later that night, that question sort of, you know, was uh, gnawing at my head. So I said, oh, that was a fair question. Uh, so then I called that guy and asked him the following morning as to what was the question he asked. Do you remember? So he said that I had a doubt if it had to hit the bat first, it bat, and then the fielder took the catch, was it out? Or if it hit the bat first and it went the other way around, uh, it was not out. I uh, wanted to know a clarification. So I said, either way, the batsman is given out. Uh, so he asked me a very simple and straightforward question. So he said, why are you allowing it to hit both? I said, fair enough, but I don't know. I'll try and work it out. But later that evening, again, I thought about this uh, second question of his. I said, yeah, let me either play fully of the bat or fully of the pad if I'm outside the line. And after that, I've hardly got out bad pad. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, life is funny. You don't know where the best piece of advice comes from and uh, the manner in which it comes. And uh, w once... Uh, at that uh, first half of the season we went through and then uh, I was sure that, you know, if it breaks through, if I break through that particular uh, zone, mm -hmm. I was going to get big runs and that too on a regular basis. So uh, then, you know, they say when it rains, it really pours and that's what happened. Are, are you a competitive person then? You know, is it, is it winner-takes-all men mentality? Not necessarily. I think the efforts must be rewarded mm -hmm. and all the efforts must be recognised because, uh, yes, winner takes it all. Uh, that's how the world functions in sports at least. But the point is that uh, the effort uh, put in by the others also matters that also needs to be appreciated mm -hmm. if that can be rewarded yes why not yes let's move on to 1992 then one of the great things about youtube is that we can watch videos of yourself batting this is uh according to youtube one of the one of the best overseas knocks by indian batsmen uh 100, 114 against south africa that is the first odi 100 by an indian in south africa because uh praveen amre had got a hundred uh, a couple of weeks earlier in a test game on his debut so however we needed to win that particular game to stay in the series yeah. because i think we were three nil down and we had four more games to go 
we ended up chasing something like uh, 200 plus mm. i think it was 220 230 i can't uh, really remember i said yes no this is the ideal chance because it's not a big score but of course it is not a 270 280 series by any means because uh, it is all around the 200 220 mark so i said as an opener 220 yes now if you get a start I, i thought to myself this is the time this is the game to really try and hang in there and uh, convert it mm. uh, it was challenging in the sense that uh, that was one of the um, fastest uh, pitches yeah. um, we played on uh, on that tour and uh, even the south africans are obviously aware if they were to win that game uh, they would see the series there itself uh it was a case of um, hanging in there what helped me also that you know uh, the wickets were falling at the end because uh, that sort of prevented me from trying to you know get into a hurry and you know, look to score quickly enough uh, because the wickets were falling at the end i realized that i needed to be there so that helped me in a bit mm. uh, it could be a very strange way to look at it but uh, that's how it panned out i carried on and uh, i told myself that i needed to be there till the end if possible uh, to carry the team past the mark uh, even though i did not uh, stay there till the end um, i i brought the team closer uh, by the time i got out i thought uh, we had a far better chance of winning that game and uh, it was uh, manageable there but that was not the case it became a little bit tight as well before ravi uh, went and got a shastri got a quick 20 odd to seal the game that 100 coming uh, in the situation that it came and at the venue that it came and under the conditions that it came i thought was um, very satisfactory mm-hmm. and most importantly the thing was that um, it went towards a winning cause because mm-hmm. you know you could get 100 and if the team ends up losing you know nobody wins and when you got to 100 people came on the pitch and started to try and lift you up and put an indian flag over yeah. <laughs> but you you were having you know, it because they were because they were desperate to see us win in a one day game yeah. so i thought more than i the crowds felt that you know once i got to my 100 and looking at the scoreboard they were probably far more confident than i was that we would win that game mm. <laughs> did, did, did they break your concentration then when they tried to like lift you up not really now is it because you know they they rushed in and uh, they were escorted out quickly as well yeah that was one of the best overseas knocks but um there's there's another game that you played in it's 66 all out oh that was a nightmare don't you remind me about that because uh, that happened in durban yeah. uh, it was just a case of us not having enough time to uh, acclimatize uh, in south africa yeah. because uh, Uh, prior to that uh, we were playing uh, at home mm. and then we went there and uh, obviously um, the home team played to strength um, durban was their best chance it was the first test match mm. um, there was a lot of grass on the track by the time we blinked it was all over we were 6 to 6 rolled out mm. in the first inning that i think uh, we fared marginally better in the second i think we crossed the 100 mark so <laughs> it was not something that Uh, we would want to look back at all you know who overplayed that game um uh, even um, when they batted um, it was not uh, uh, a walk in the park for them as well even though they they are used to playing on that surface but the thing was that uh, we did not have enough ammunition to make the extraordinary use that the south african fast bowlers made of that pitch uh, but however 
uh, I think uh, it was a case of um, also us uh, uh, seeing far more devils than they were. The fact that uh, we also not uh, prepared well enough. Mm-hmm. I think we, all of us are undercooked. As the series went by, we started doing better there. Yeah. You were facing a prime Anil Donald. Uh, what what yeah. was that like? At, at that level, they they, they all obviously uh, are playing for their countries mm. because um, they're really good. Uh, and each one of them have their speciality. And it's a case of how your form is against them, how we are moving. Because um, it all boils down to what you're doing there within that uh, four feet, mm. within the crease. Uh, how your feet are moving, how you are perceiving and how you are judging. So the thing is that um, you have uh, hardly any margin for error, either in your perception or in your judgment or in your execution. You've got to get it spot on. Otherwise, um, they'll ruthlessly exploit whatever little chink they find uh, in your batting. Mm. But was it it like a lot of sledging back then? How, How did you deal with it? Let's face it, um, sledging does not happen on a regular basis. It probably you know, happens um, when a bowler feels that he needs to try and uh, upset the batsman. Yeah. Or if he's a little bit frustrated, uh, he tends to indulge uh, uh, in sledging to vent out his frustration as well. So this is not something which is uh, uh, a norm in uh, test cricket. Mm. It happens now and then, but of course, um, you need to be able to handle all that at that level mm. because um, a test match is where uh, you are tested in every respect, uh, when you're, whether it's uh, technical, mental, psychological, uh, you're, you're tested in uh, mm. in an all-round fashion, which means that you need to be able to handle that. Mm. Can, can you remember the, the first time you got sledged? I didn't play much against Australia, so <laughs> I don't think I've ever come across sledging. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, and did, did you did you like enjoy being part of that dressing room then? Uh, were you like the, one of the vocal people, or were you the quiet ones, or, or were you the, like the joker? I, I always um, had the freedom of speech. I always like to indulge uh, in a laugh or two. Mm. I like to look at the lighter side of things, and uh, uh, quite obviously. Um, those days, uh, traveling was great fun because what used to happen then was that uh, we were all thrown in together. Mm. Uh, we were sharing rooms, which meant that you had a roommate and stuff like that. Uh, and um, you did not have uh, enough uh, money for you to go wherever you wished to. But, um, what we used to do was that we used to try and find as many opportunities as possible to get together and have a laugh and indulge in uh, various activities. Mm-hmm. So that way it was fun. But uh, uh, quite obviously, you know, uh, if the tour was a bit longer, uh, it was uh, also a case where uh, we would get on each other's nerves and that's where uh, our restraint and, you know, our um, uh, interpersonal um, abilities were tested. So uh, it was great fun in mm-hmm. uh, every which way. Did you, did you ever get homesick then? Because obviously the, tour, the tours must have been quite long then. Not uh, really, because no. uh, let's face it, um, you are chosen to play cricket mm-hmm. and you've got the honour of playing for the country and you're out there to play for the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't have it all, can you? Mm-hmm. You need to. Those days it was uh, a case of you having a chance of making a little bit of money was by playing for the country because... Uh, 
if you're not part of the uh, national side and you are just playing first class cricket in india mm. uh, you ended up uh, spending money out of your pockets rather than making it mm. were you, how did you handle the pressure of playing for india then you know you're the, the top order batsman the billion people are watching tv or listening on radio did you, did you ever did you ever feel you that are- pressure yeah, playing international cricket, um, all, always, you know, pressure is uh, going to be there. Mm. Uh, but these are things that you tune yourself to try and not um, weigh, weigh down on you. Mm. Uh, you find a mechanism as to how to handle it. Mm. Uh, the, the, one of the things that I told myself was that, uh, yes, um, there are so many people who are rooting for you, that so many people who are wanting you to do well. You're playing for the country, you're representing them. In fact, you're also representing uh, uh, or playing for their pride as well. That kept you going. That was uh, used as a motivation, yes. You could have uh, said, oh, so much of uh, people I'm in the spotlight, so many people wanting me to do well. All of them are going to be seeing what they do. And uh, if you want to let that weigh down on you, I think that is when you put yourself under pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's a question of how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your international cricket career, then um, did, you know how would you re- how would you reflect on it? You know, did, did you achieve everything that you wanted to do? Would you would you change anything basically? It, it could have definitely been better, mm-hmm. but the fact also is that um, I was playing uh, sporadically part of the team for about eight nine years, yeah. but. Uh, I spent uh, more test matches and one day carrying the drinks rather than playing there. So if I I were to have played um, a few matches in succession, things could have probably been different. But uh, it is is, uh, due to the circumstances prevailing and nobody is to be faulted, nobody is to be blamed. Mm. Um, The way I look at it is that 11 test caps and 27 ODA caps is uh, better than um, zero on zero. True, true, 100%. Uh, When you played, who who were like the underrated players for India? Obviously, we know now the Kabul Dabs of this world, you know, the superstars, but... Underrated, I felt probably... um, uh, now, just think Sidhu was underrated because mm-hmm. uh, I felt he was technically a very good batsman. He was uh, done well abroad, mm-hmm. and uh, he could also, you know, sort of um, uh, whack the spinners out of the park uh, at will. I thought, you know, he was one uh, who was perhaps uh, not uh, really given uh, the credit for the knocks that he's played as much as they should have. Yeah. I, I watched an interview with Nasser Hussain, the ex-England captain. He said he enjoyed playing India. Sorry, when India toured, you know, they were too nice, basically. Would you agree with that? I thought uh, Nazar Ozen had the same to say about his county side as well when he took over <laughs> captaincy. Okay. And uh, if I remember right, he also said the same about the England side when he took over the captaincy of England. Right. That's right, he did. Yes. It's perceptions, really, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I was getting to. It is just a matter of perception. It's relative as to what is being nice and what is being tough. Mm. Now, you would have uh, never, ever uh, thought that Raul Dryad was a tough character, mm. would you? No. Uh, but, but look at what he's done. Mm. Uh, people, uh, everybody is not going to be expressive. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of people who can get the job done without seemingly being aggressive or overtly being, you know, aggressive. Because mm. then he mentioned, you know, it all changed when Sarav Ganguly became the captain and... Yeah, a lot of changes came in when Saurav Ganguly became the captain. Mm. Yes, um, he by nature was uh, aggressive. He by nature was somebody uh, who was not uh, going to bow down to anybody. Mm. Uh, the thing uh, is that um, 
at the time he took over captaincy yes on the one hand uh, he, he was given charge of the team when things were not really that great mm. um, there was a um, scandal that was um, uh, really sort of ripping the cricket world apart then mm-hmm. uh, but he also had the benefit of uh, uh, having an extended time as a captain for the simple reason uh, that um, he needed to revive the faith in the spectators yeah. and also prove to the world that you know cricket is not tainted as people tended to think then yes it was there was an aberration or two but it's not that um, everybody needs to be painted with the same brush mm. so he got an extended run he, he also uh, did uh, one thing very well which was uh, backing youngsters mm. Uh, apart from the fact that he had uh, some very solid uh, cricketers uh, in the ranks like the kumbles the tendulkars and the dravids and the lakshmans mm. so it was perhaps um, a case of him being at the right place but he was also the right man at that point in time mm. because uh, you needed somebody who was forthright who was not uh, hours to taking people on Mm-hmm. and uh, because of the team that he had because of all the backing that he had from the players as well as administration uh, he could really you know uh, do what he wanted in terms of taking the team forward uh, even if it meant he was going to really sort of uh, uh, make the indian team a bunch of uh, street fighters it didn't matter mm-hmm. but he, he wanted to take the team forward he wanted the team to be more aggressive and he most importantly he wanted the indian team to show everybody that they are aggressive um last question about your cricket career then um did you, did you have to be like selfish to be a top player then and how, how would that work in the dressing room then if everyone's selfish you need to be selfish to a certain extent because mm. um as a batter especially in a duration game and i say duration game i'm referring to a test match yeah. um your runs are going to be added to the team's total as well but uh, it all is going to be uh dependent on to what extent you're selfish because uh, let's face it uh, each and every individual will have some expectations um, from a game or from a career so the natural uh, tendency for any human being is to try and uh, ensure that uh, he or she gets uh, her objectives achieved as long as the individual's objectives and motivations are not uh, contrary to the to those of the team is fair enough mm. i i don't see any problem in that and that's the way it works mm. but whereas the moment the selfish interest is going uh, going to be you know totally contrary to the team's interest uh, i think then the problem start and then uh, the individual will be um, shown where he needs to rectify his methodology or if he doesn't uh, conform to the team's needs he's going to be shown the door yeah. Um, yeah let's talk about your coaching career then what, what was your you know, what is your desire to get into coaching after you played cricket I thought uh, that uh, a lot of cricketers during my time especially when we were young um, could not achieve what they could have mm. despite being uh, phenomenally talented for one simple reason lack of guidance so I thought um, that uh, if I could do something about it uh it'll be really good um, what i did was uh, immediately after retiring from active cricket uh, i went and uh, did a level 3 coaching course in melbourne mm-hmm. and then uh, i came back to india after that i said okay now that i've even got um, a certified uh, 
course under my belt yeah. i said uh, let me try and uh, combine that and my experience uh, over a period of 18 years of playing yeah. cricket and do something about it and um, that's how i started coaching because um, i felt there was definitely a need uh, for the cricketers for that time and also of the future requiring uh, guidance so that's the reason i took to coaching even though i did um, do a lot of uh, stints as a commentator yeah. uh, and i also was uh, writing for leading dailies uh, i felt um, coaching did give me a lot more satisfaction so what was it like sort of going back to school then <laughs> it was it, it was interesting because um, the coaching courses uh, are such that there's a lot of exchange of ideas mm. it's just that uh, you try and uh, broaden your knowledge base yeah. and uh, and you also get to know the role of a coach more about the role of a coach yeah. because uh, you are used to seeing things as a player in a certain way yeah. but uh, once you cross the fence and go on to the other side you need to see things from a different uh, pair of lens and you also need to communicate um, in a far different fashion yeah. yeah well are you like um what's your coaching style then are you pretty laid back or pretty intense has it changed i tend to i tend to empower the players mm-hmm. because um, you need to allow them to figure it out mm. yes what i always am fond of saying about uh, a coach's role is that of a service engineer of an aircraft and the captain of the team is a pilot of the aircraft so the coach is going to ensure that um, all the parts are fine tuned and it's made ready for the flight once the game starts is a captain's job and i buckle my seat belt see how the ride goes um is is, is anything surprised you about coaching you know you, you must have thought well this is going to be hard but it was actually easy or something it was easy it was actually quite hard i always um, think that you know life is full of surprises it's how you sort of handle them or how you overcome them is what uh, is going to make a big difference so um, i'm always uh, prepared for something or the other to you know provide you a surprise and the important thing is to sort of uh, uh, quickly uh, uh, get over the surprise and see how to handle it if it's a pleasant surprise yes enjoy it mm-hmm. if it's if it's a surprise which is something that you did not want <laughs> to happen <laughs> then you try and think about how to you know tackle it and uh, overcome it yeah and that's what makes uh, life interesting as well otherwise it'll be boring yeah yeah definitely boring um has anyone helped you on the way to being a coach any 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 influences you must have played with top players and had top top captains did you use their what what they were doing or did you go your own path see as a coach um, you always have to ensure that you work uh, with the others in the setup as a team mm-hmm. um i probably um uh, saw how dennis lily uh, went about what is coaching yeah. and how we communicated um there was a lot of things that i learned from the way he communicated and the way um he gave attention to details and then i also um, saw another coach uh, in india you wouldn't have heard of um, called vasu paranjbe mm-hmm. he is another who was uh, who was extremely dedicated until the time he was coaching now he's uh, taken a break i think he's put in enough number of years to coaching uh, he was another one uh, who i learned a lot from mm. in fact um, coaching or uh, anything else for that matter life is all about 
learning you tend to learn on a day to day basis if you're a willing learner if you're a willing listener you're going to learn and that's going to only help you in life awesome last last question then uh, for people who want more information on the book or want to buy the book they can get it on uh, the amazon uh, platform uh, you get both the uh, paperback uh, version as well as the kindle version also mr robin uh, great talking to you today uh, thank you for coming on the show today thanks a lot and uh, you're welcome i thoroughly enjoyed the chat and uh, i wish you all the very best thank you mr robin all the best now Thanks to Mr. W.V. Rahman for coming on the show today and go to Amazon and check out his book. Uh, thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. I shall be back next week. And if you're building something exciting, please send me an email. Hello at neilpatel.co or tweet at indianstatsmessage or go to facebook.com forward slash Indian Sharp Show. Love to connect. Thank you and goodbye.